let's see. Jeff, could you close the door outside there, please? Otherwise, I'm donning sunglasses up here, I think. It's, I'm not complaining. Don't get me wrong. I like the sunshine. So in this journey of the story, this is chapter 8. There are 31 as we go through the Bible. If this is your first time here, there are books that you could pick up if you want to join us on this journey and become a part of this uh, uh, time that we have together between now and May. Joshua, we learned about him last week, and Joshua was the one who took the people of Israel into the promised land. Land that had been promised to Abraham 600 years before. And so the people began to settle in the land. And Greg Meyer gave a great teaching last week. And he talked about the five B's. And he said it's not barbecue. But it is the five B's of the Bible that we learned from that. And these were the instructions that were given. And that we can learn from Joshua. That God, God lays this all out for us. He laid it all out for them. Be strong and courageous. Be in the word. Beware of deception. Be ready for battle. And be decisive. Be decisive. Now in Deuteronomy, God, as I said, laid instructions out very carefully for the people of Israel to follow. Because he knew what we're like. He knew that it was very likely that without a commitment, a firm focus to our lives, we leak out. And in the land, the people began to settle in the land of Canaan, where they were promised, and the tribes gathered around. And they were more of a confederation than a nation, and a confederation is just a loose knit group of people that were identified as Hebrews. But they went on into the land and occupied the land and began to settle in to houses they didn't build. They began to pick grapes from vineyards they didn't plant. And they began to enjoy this land that God had promised to them, the land of milk and honey. But he left some enemies in the land to test their resolve, to test their faith, to test their obedience, to see whether or not they would stay true to what it was he wanted them to do. Now, there's a famous passage of Scripture in the Hebrew literature that comes out of Deuteronomy chapter 6, beginning in verse 4, and it's called the Shema, S-H-E-M-A, and it was the true marching orders that God gave to the people of Israel about what they should do in order to keep their faith Alive, solid, straight, firm. So let's read what those instructions were real quickly. Hear, O Israel. Well, we can read this together. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. 
Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. God did not want them to forget his words, his commandments, his character, who he was. And he knew that there was a great danger in moving from one generation to the next. Because the generation that saw God do these miracles of giving Jericho into their hands and giving the other nations and the lands into their hand, he knew that if they did not intentionally continue to teach and impress and tell the stories of God's great goodness and his power in their lives, that it only exists from one generation. That's it. That's is something that doesn't get inherited. So my hat's off to all of you here today who are teaching your children. You are training them. You are letting them know about how to have a relationship with God and with your grandchildren and, and with the people around you because that's the way you keep this going. But what happened was because the people of Israel failed to follow the Shema in Deuteronomy, the generation that was with Joshua, the next generation to come began to wander off as they encountered various trials and tribulations in their lives. And believe it or not, they exchanged the one true and living God who had been their deliverer and their rescuer and their salvation, they began to chase after and believe in and accept and embrace other gods. It's hard for us to imagine. But when one generation fails to teach the next generation and introduce them to the goodness of God, then it's very easy, and for whatever reason in our lives, we have a tendency to leak out and stray off. And we chase after other gods. Now, Baal is representative of multiple gods, not just one. Fertility gods, harvest gods, education gods, whatever the god was that they needed the god to be, that's the god that was established, and they all kind of all became this these gods. And so they strayed off. And when they did that, and here, here's the cycle, okay? You, you, guys, you guys know the definition of insanity? Yeah. It's, it's doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. And we just keep going back to the same thing. So here was the cycle of insanity for the people of Israel that we just learned about. The Israelites forgot God's past deliverance for them, and they began to worship the Baals. And then another generation grew up, and they played the harlot with other gods, and they strayed even farther away. The next thing that happened was, then God then gave them over to the hands of their enemies. He let them be re-enslaved, recaptured, retaken, so that their lives would become difficult for them again, and what is the cycle? What do the people do? They cry out to God for deliverance. And then what does God do? He raises up, in this case, a judge to deliver them. There were like 12 judges that were uh, deliverers for them. There was always a remnant that was left. He, they, they come back. They rescue them. They deliver them. They overcome the enemies. They, they then give, give praise to God. But when that judge died... And the next generation was raised up that had forgotten. 
They repeat the same cycle all over again. So the book of Judges is the same cycle. Forgetting what God has done, chasing after other things, being taken captive, being delivered, and then when that judge dies, they went back to the cycle all over again. Now, um, some of these we know, Deborah, Gideon, Samson, we've talked about them, the deliverers. And the Old Testament is sort of a shadowing or a type. And we have a deliverer in Jesus Christ who delivers us from sin and death. That's the wages of sin is death. That's why we need a savior. We need deliverance. We need a rescuer. So what are some things we can learn from this for ourselves? Because you know what? We're, we're not really all that much different than they are. First of all, we need to be willing to follow the Shema that was read this morning. We need to do the diligent work. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he won't depart from it. We need to always instill and impress and teach by whatever methods we can think of to bring those next generations along in a relationship with God. It is not something that is inherited. They can't inherit our faith. They can only learn it through our teaching and our instruction and our modeling in our lives, and we need to be very diligent and not forget that. Because if we forget that, they'll forget. Because that's exactly what happened. We need to avoid our own cycle of insanity. Some of you are living in cycles of insanity right now. You have failed to obey and trust God. He laid it all out for you. He says, I, I set before you today blessings and curses. Blessings for obedience, curses for disobedience. You, you get into a, a problem or a struggle or a difficulty, and what do you have a tendency to do? We all do this, but we have a tendency to do this, don't we? We doubt God. We become angry with God. We begin to take matters into our own hands and begin to think about ways that we can figure out this ourselves. We resort to our own sort of Christian magic by some of the words that we share or the prayers that we share or the things that we do, our actions, our thoughts, our words. We, we do our own sort of abracadabras to God. So we, we, we begin to drift. We begin to incorporate things. We start using terms like, oh, it's just, you know, good karma. You know, the, we begin to just embrace certain ideas that we find around us in our culture of people that aren't staying true to the Lord, and we begin to sort of subtly just begin astrology. We begin to read our horoscope. We begin to, we do things that we think are harmless, but at the same time, is it not sort of a grasping for knowing your future or having some extra something other than God himself who's talked to you about your life and the importance of staying true and straight on with him, we do that. We do it. We, we do it. And then our deliverer Jesus comes to us and 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, God made him who knew no sin to become sin 
so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. God is very patient. I'm glad he waited for me. And I know you're glad he waited for you to come to him. He sometimes lets evil and suffering and pain come to us to test us. It's not because necessarily we've done anything wrong. It's just he wants us to keep our faith and trust in him. We all have disappointments that come to us in life. He wants you to take a stand for him and with him, even though nobody else around you is. It's really easy to go with the crowd. And I think that that's what happened a lot of times with the people of Israel. You know, their neighbors started doing this and started talking to them. And, and, and before you knew it, they were all chasing after false gods. When they had this great lesson of a God who loved them with an everlasting love, and they just all drifted off. Have you ever had to take a stand for what was right and true and good? Even though nobody else was, you chose to follow and stay true. Even though everything else around you was crumbling, you stood strong. You stood in that place that God wants you to stand. And that's what's important to us today. Each of us have a choice to make every day. Every choice and decision that we make. And someone once said, well, what side are you on? Are you on this side or this side? Or, and, then, and, then, and then the right response is to say, I'm on God's side. Wherever God is, that's where I am. Whatever God wants, that's what I want. Sometimes it takes trust, blind trust, I don't know how this is all going to work out, but I know God loves me and he has a plan. He has a purpose. I'm not going to resort to these other things, grasping at straws, grasping at things that don't have real merit in my life. I'm going to stay true. I'm going to stay focused. I'm going to stay on his side. And you will find his blessing. Maybe not in the way that you expect it, but there's no greater blessing than just the blessing of his presence in our lives, his promise to be with us and never leave us or forsake us. That's a great promise. And we can't pass anything on to somebody else that isn't in us. If you try to pass something on to your kids and God's not in you, forget about it. They'll see right through it. But it, he first has to be in you and staying solid and true to your life. So this morning, to me, as we're here together, Some of you today here need to come home. You need to come back to the Lord. You're here in church, and that's a good thing. And that's the first step for some of you to be here. But you know in your heart you're not where you should be. And that puts you at risk of even greater danger in your life. So today is the day of coming home, coming back to God for you. 
he welcomes and receives you because he loves you and his arms are always open to you. If you've suffered a setback, a loss, a disappointment in your life, don't give up on God because he is not going to give up on you. Stay true. Stay strong. See what's in this for you. He'll teach you something through it. Don't abandon him. He's the one that's going to take you through it. He's the one that's going to help you in it. We're going to sing a hymn today. It's, um, it is well with my soul and the story is about a, a gentleman who was sent his, his wife and kids off and a boat and the boat sunk and they were all drowned and lost. And he went ahead and made that journey himself later and he wanted to know where's the point where that ship went down and, and they were lost. And he, he wrote this song, It is well with my soul. No matter what, when peace like a river attended my way. When sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say it is well with my soul. I'm going to ask a couple people to come up here. We have some people on our ministry team here today. If you would come up here in the front. I think there's some people that could use some prayer today. So when we sing this hymn, if you feel like you need someone to come to today, or just come here and kneel at the altar, whatever it is you're going to do, stay in your seat. Come home. Come home to the Lord. Realign your life to him. In the cycle of insanity, get yourself straight with God. And he's there waiting for you. And he will meet you right where you are. So let's stand and sing.
I'm going to ask Alicia just to play this instrumentally through and have us just uh, pray on our own, not singing, just music. Give you more opportunity. You don't have to come up, but if you want to, it's very helpful, I have found in my life, to have someone that we can go forward to. Um, so just play it through and consider that this is your opportunity to come home to God. Let's go ahead and form a circle this morning. There were some uh, inserts in your bulletin today. Um, one of them has to do with the uh, Operation Christmas Child. And the, these boxes are available out as you go out today. And if you want to participate, what, we, what that ministry is, is you take this box and there's some instructions with a pamphlet um, that tell you how to, to fill, it, fill it up with some little treasures for kids that goes out around the world. And it's an amazing ministry operated by Samaritan's Purse. And if you've participated in them before, that's great. If you haven't, then ask someone. But take these boxes are here today. So Barbara Briggs, uh, Barbara is our coordinator for this. And they're due by the 24th of November. And they, you just bring them back here to the church, stick them into the into the lobby here in a coat closet. You'll see where they're stacked and add that to that and we'll get those sent on their way. Yes? Okay. The pamphlets are there with the boxes. So that gives you all the information. The other is uh, the Faith Pledge Commitment. And this is something we do each year to prepare for and plan on for next year's budget. And we did our little illustration today about the tithe. So you can look at that and, and pray over about that, and, and if you want to participate, you can turn that in. The last is a project in the Dominican Republic. Junior, where's Junior? Junior's going to tell us about some of the ministry there and what he's doing. Junior's family and himself, they are living in the Dominican Republic. We have been partnering with them for several years now. Uh, you'll hear a little bit more next door about this, but this is a a fundraising project to replace playground equipment. They work with, I don't know, how many thousands, how many, how many kids do you work with there? About? No. 
Yeah. They're, in, they're working with 2,000 children there and on their properties there. It's a wonderful ministry. If you want to give a special gift to that, you'll hear more about that. So, uh, Other joys and concerns that we can share today? Anybody have anything to say? Yes. All right, Robin. All right, Robin's dad. Where's he live? Okay, Robin's father has cancer that's been determined to be inoperable, and she's preparing to go out there to be with him. So we'll keep her in our prayers. Others of you have special requests. There was a great joy over the weekend for our Gunnison High School uh, sports program. The volleyball team, the girls' volleyball team, is going back to the state championship. Uh, round of state championships, and also um, the football team won. I don't think they've won a regional game. I don't know when they've won one in a long time. Um, and uh, uh, one of their, their good players is uh, Brady Wilson, and Brady unfortunately had a very severe injury yesterday. He's here in church today, but Brady, our hearts go out to you and your family, and I know you'd like to continue on with those boys, but we'll keep you in our prayers as you move ahead through that disappointment for you. Uh, others that, yes, Ellie? That's good. I'm glad you opened up your hands and let God pour it out. That's great testimony of giving. You can't outgive God. Yes, Mike? Okay, George Means uh, in our community, all right. Um, and Johnny, ha Johnny, do you want to, is it your cousin? Sammy Sandusky uh, uh, passed away. I think he was from this area, he was killed in a car crash. So, this past week, he's, he, he was, yeah. Sandy, Sandy Sandusky, okay, thank you. All right, well, I look forward to our potluck. I want everybody to fill out a little, we've got labels there, but put your name on that. It's just as you go in, because we, we don't know each other well enough yet, and you might say, oh, I, I know your face, I can't remember your name and all that. So if you wouldn't mind, just put a little name tag on. Next door is going to be some awesome food, um, and we just, come on by. It's going to be fun. We're going to have a good time. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face. Shine upon you, be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Today and forever. Amen. Thank you all.